wonderful Amen. yeah absolutely it is great to be here tonight good to have all of you here we want to go to the Lord in prayer we had, want to have special prayer for brother Richard he fell uh, today and uh, <clears throat> he really fell hard and we want to remember he and sister Vanita uh, also want to remember sister Bernice Wilkes uh, she was um, uh, feeling better this morning, but I was by there this afternoon before church this evening, and she is uh, back in the bed and not doing well, but needs our prayers. And um, also, uh, my mother uh, was getting ready for ladies' prayer Tuesday morning and, and uh, somehow got... Uh, uh, twisted around and fell as well and hit her head and knee and arm and so I uh, want to remember uh, her want to remember sister Sarah Hall and her grandmother who is uh, 99 years of age of course uh, brother McCrary just had a 99th birthday but I think uh, sister Sarah's uh, grandmother is uh, in a, a nursing home and so needs prayer they've kind of she is in charge of her care so want to remember her and uh, her grandmother and we have several names that are on the list we also have several handouts in the back of, of individuals that we are praying for and we've had some miracles this week want to continue to remember brother david post of course and and uh, others that are on that list that we are just believing the Lord is going to continue touching and healing. And uh, I uh, also want to remind you, if you bought a book from the missionary, Brother Vestal, that when he was here, if you prepaid for that, he sent those tonight, and they're in the, in the foyer and um, he has their names on them. And so uh, of all of those that, that uh, paid, prepaid, sorry, I don't have any. Uh, he didn't send any for me to sell. It was whatever he sold that night he sent. Uh, I am sure if you want one, you can contact him. But I, I believe it was on backsliders if you were here. And uh, if you didn't get one, you can either contact him or... Uh, ask someone to let them borrow your book when they finish or whatever. They'll be glad, I'm sure, to, to do that. So uh, don't forget uh, those announcements, of course. Uh, if you uh, know of anyone else that needs prayer, if you'll raise your hand, I'm glad we can pray, aren't you? So let's pray right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. Oh, hallelujah. We pray, God, that you will touch. You're able to heal. You're able to hear and answer prayer. Lord, we thank you that we know you. We're thankful, Lord, that we can 
I feel the touch of your power in the name that is above every name. Lord, we praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. remember uh, the Waters family, Brother Heath and Sister Jody and that family. They've had a virus of some sort going around, so I want to remember them. (laughs) Hallelujah. You may be seated, and uh, we're glad that you're here. If, uh, don't forget the um, uh, Friday morning, early morning prayer. Tomorrow is, uh, I think, maybe, uh, I don't remember, men's care group tomorrow. Okay. There's a maroon pickup truck in the parking lot, and it's still running, and no one is in it. If anybody has a maroon pickup, and it's still running, um, I hope nobody gets in it. If you locked your keys up in it, see one of the ushers, they'll help you get out. Um, I drove my dad's pickup, but I don't think it's maroon. I don't think it's mine. So uh, anyway, if you drove a pickup, you may want to check that out. All right. (laughs) So hallelujah. Don't forget that. Ushers, get ready. We're going to receive our Wednesday night offering. We appreciate your giving. And uh, we appreciate you being here. And may the Lord bless you. Lord, bless each and every individual, every gift and every giver. In Jesus' name, amen.
Oh, glory. As I mentioned, Brother Heath was supposed to be speaking tonight, and uh, he called to an afternoon request prayer that for his wife and their family, and, and uh, then it, I asked him if he was going to come, and he said, oh, my goodness, completely uh, slipped my mind. So... Uh, <clears throat> I'm a pinch hitter tonight. So, anyway, <clears throat> they have been going through um, <clears throat> the book of Luke uh, specifically in the last few lessons, and we started in uh, Luke, the fourth chapter. Of course, our uh, tagline is growing apostolic legacy. And so <clears throat> the lesson today is about uh, not being stopped by rejection. And I know <clears throat> that probably uh, in the course of uh, events, rejection has come to everyone on some level. Everyone has felt a sense of rejection. Even if you've made it to the highest levels of, you know, if you've been the president, then at some point after eight years, you no longer have the opportunity to be the president. Or if you're like our past president, after four years, the people reject you or choose someone else. And yet, no doubt, Every individual from whether it's at, at the age of two or three or five or seven, 17, everybody has not been chosen for the team or has been passed over or has had somebody look at them like, we don't want you around or has felt a sense of being rejected, of not being accepted. And I put a little sign uh, on my slides that says, welcome to rejection. And uh, I don't know if that's the name of a real town or not, uh, but some people live in the town of rejection, you know, and they, are, they point to rejection as the reason for, and then the list begins. Well, I didn't have any friends. Well, nobody liked me. Well, the kids at school. Well, and they, you know, and is it real? Yes. Does it impact? Yes. Have you ever felt it? Yes. And, you know, I am sure that if you um, were to ask, you know, well, <clears throat> how bad was your rejection versus how bad was somebody else's? rejection or how terrible and maybe made fun of, maybe uh, had things thrown at them. And uh, I've heard some of the stories of my wife's uh, rejection in high school and in junior high and trying to live for God. And I, I know she's not the only one that has those stories and did a, th those things because directly because of their faith. But you don't have to be rejected because of your faith. You can be rejected because you are uh, 
of your ethnicity. You can be rejected because of your heritage. You can be rejected because uh, somebody's jealous. You can be rejected. I mean, fill in the blank because you're not as athletic, you know, when they go to choose up sides and then they go, okay, well, all right, we'll give you him and him and him because we don't even want them. Huh? And you feel like, man, I was that extra sparrow that was thrown in for free. You remember the Lord telling the parable of the sparrows. He says, you know, one sparrow for this much and then three sparrows for, you know, it's like one for a dollar and three for two dollars. So there's an extra sparrow. Well, they don't usually give the best sparrow for the extra one, you know. It's kind of like they were thrown in for free. And uh, imagine, and yet the Lord was talking about the Lord has his eye on that third sparrow. That one that was really the free one. And yet it is easy to begin to allow the enemy sort of to twist the knife and twist it into my spirit and I then build up defenses, I build up, uh, I'm gonna prove to you, I'm gonna show you, and I, I understand. I, I have uh, numerous of my own stories. I mean, uh, I, you know, even, even if they don't verbally say anything, I, I remember when my wife and I were just married before we had children, and and uh, she spoke Spanish, and so we landed with my folks in, in Belgium, and we took the trains, and we were going through, and we went through France, and some of that along the coast, and so my wife and I left my folks, and we were gonna head to Spain. We were gonna stay another week, and my folks uh, headed back to Belgium to take off and on the airplane and we ended up getting robbed on my wife and I did. And my wife got robbed, lost her traveler's checks, lost her passport and we got to the border of France and of course my passport I had, she didn't have hers and so it was like well, you can go into Spain but she can't. Of course I'm not going to go in, I don't even speak Spanish much less I'm not going to leave her until something, so they, well, you gotta go up, back up to Paris, to the embassy, and you may have heard part of that story of going to the embassy, but we, we ended up on the street where the embassy was, and long story, to make it short, there was all these shops by the embassy, you know, uh, Yves Saint Laurent, Chanel, you name it. So we were waiting, we got into the embassy. The embassy said, well, we'll take your picture. You can go out and walk around, then come back in an hour. So we were just looking, you know, two kids. I'm dragging my suitcase. She's dragging her suitcase. We're just walking around, looking. And it was obvious we didn't have a lot of money. It was obvious we weren't of the upper crust. And we walked by one of the windows, and I don't remember the shop, but my wife saw a tie and said, oh, that's lovely. Look, you need to get that. So I said, I don't want that tie. I just want to get out of here, get that passport. 
No, let's go in. So we go in and she said, oh, sir, how much is the tie in the window there? And he says, Madame, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. We were immediately put in our place. If you must ask, you must not be. He wasn't going to go get it and look. He wasn't going to tell us. It was, sorry, you can't afford it. Thank you very much. And we walked out, obviously without the time. And yet, how do you feel when they, someone, I don't even know you, you know? Of course, part of me, you know, I wanted to go, I'm going to buy it. I don't care how much it costs. <clears throat> Just to show you I can, but I was afraid I really couldn't. So I, I just decided, you know, take that lick and go on. But you feel rejection. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't go into any of the other shops. I didn't feel strong enough to say, well, I'm going to go in the next shop and see what their stuff is worth. Here we were on the Champs-Élysées, and I was not going to... I wasn't going to go into any of those shops. I said, let's go back to the embassy and just sit there and wait. So you say, well, I'm the only one that's ever felt that. Well, I understand. Unfortunately, the Bible has a great example with Jesus, and it's found in Luke, the fourth chapter, and starting at about the 14th verse, and you can read really almost through the end of that fourth chapter tonight, that talks about Rejection, the 14th verse, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. This was after the temptation, full of power, full of the anointing, and he returned. Uh, he had been tempted by the devil, and you remember the devil had asked him, Who are you? If you are the Son of God, do this. Make these stones bread. If you are the Son of God, jump off the temple. If you are, etc., etc., like the devil didn't know who he was, but in reality... The devil did know who he was. And we'll see it right here in these verses. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and there went fame out through the region thereabout, roundabout. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. So people were just, man, it's amazing. Wow, this guy, he's an amazing teacher. He is amazing. He is awesome. We also find out that he did a bunch of miracles there. If you read the Matthew account, he performed a lot of miracles. And so people were just, wow, wow, wow. He speaks with authority. He says such powerful words. And then he came to Nazareth. And in Nazareth, that's his hometown, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he goes to church, to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And they delivered him the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah's. And he opened the book. And he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives. I, I put that in red letters, although all of this would be in red letters if you were reading a red letter edition, but I wanted to draw your attention to that phrase, gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captive. Everybody say deliverance. Recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the minister and sat down. And everybody started looking at it. Wow. There was so much power and authority. And there was just something about it when he read those words it was almost like he had written those words, which he really had, but it was just like there was an anointing, there was a power, there was an authority that came out of those words. And he said these words, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And you know how all the people that heard him from Nazareth, they were wondering in, in another, that Hebrew, the Greek word rather means they were marveled. They were amazed at the grace, at the authority, at what he was saying. And they were just like, wow, there's something different about him. Of course, the Holy Ghost, he had, he had been baptized. He'd gone into the wilderness. He had been tempted. And the Bible says the Spirit of God all of a sudden now was radiating through him. Always had it, but now there was a special anointing. And that special anointing was, whoa. But while people saw that, keep reading, what did they say? Is not this Joseph's son? We know this guy. Yeah, it is. It's amazing what he's saying. But we know this guy. And I want to tell you something. When you decide to live for God and get the anointing, those people that knew you before, that transformation start immediately questioning what's it about you because they can sense something about you and they immediately want to tap that down they said is not this joseph's son now what we know is they also said more than that it's not recorded in luke it actually is implied by the answer that is in Luke but you can read a little bit clearer in Matthew that we'll get to in a moment but they were also basically saying prove who you are do a miracle in this Joseph's son do a miracle and I'm sure some of you have had people say to you, are you one of those tongue talkers? Well, talk in tongues for me. Show me that. Do that for me. 
And, you know, they, they go, well, uh, you know, I've seen people and they just say the same words. You know, and as a kid, when we were growing up, you know, we had, you listen and it sounds like certain words. You know, we had a lady that spelled medicine, M-E-D-I-C-I-N-E. She's spelling medicine every time she talks in town. She wasn't, but that's what it sounded like. So talk in tongues. You know, you've heard, I'm sure, you know, sell a my Honda, buy me a Yamaha. Something. The point of it is people want to make it human. They want to make it, I want to, I want to put it down on my level so I can judge it and whether it's real or not real or really, well, you understand what I'm saying? So, and basically what Jesus did, he responded by, he said, surely you've heard this proverb, physician heal thyself. And then notice the colon, whatsoever we heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. So they were saying, you do those miracles that you did in Capernaum, you healed, you delivered, do them here. Show me a miracle. If God does that, then you, you show me. Prove it to me. Just prove me. Prove it to me that God's real. I want to tell you something. That whole attitude, that whole... Anytime you're asking for God to prove himself... You're, you've missed the mark because this is a walk by faith, not by sight. This is the same spirit that Thomas had, and I know there are others, but he said, he that cometh to God must first what? Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. I have to have the belief system working. If you don't want to believe it, guess what? God's not going to do the miracle. I know there are times and stories that I've had people tell me that they ask God and God would just do something, and I, but you can't count on that. He's already done enough. He went to Calvary for you. You understand? And he said, truly, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Now, I've had... People use that as, well, I can't witness to my family. I can't do this. I can't do that. I, because no prophet is with honor, is accepted in his own country. You know, a prophet is not with an honor in his own country. And there is a reason for that. And what is that, typically? Because they have seen who you are. They've seen your actions. They've seen your fruit. They know how you were raised. They know how you grew up. And so Jesus responded by telling them two stories. That in Israel, in the days of Elijah, 
there were many widows in Israel and the great famine, but none of them did Elijah go to save unto Sarapath, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. In other words, she was outside of Israel. And then he said, there was a number of lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. So immediately he threw all of Israel under the bus. Jesus said, there were lots of widows in Israel and the Lord went out to Sarapath and he, he touched a lady that was not even Jewish. The prophet went to a woman of Zarephath. Then he said there were a lot of lepers and the Lord didn't heal the lepers from Israel. But what lepers did he heal? Naaman, the man from Syria, an enemy army. Now Zarephath, that was a Samaritan, that was a half-breed. Okay, we'll go to half-breed, but at least half of the reason she got healed was because she was Jewish. But then he used another example of a guy who was not, and what he was basically saying is, because Israel would not receive from God, and basically he's saying, and you guys are in the same boat. I can't. You're questioning my, you're rejecting me now, just like all the widows, just like all the lepers. How did they respond? Did they get angry? Filled with wrath. Filled with wrath. Their spirit was obviously bad. The rejection was not, oh, we're just trying to see, you know, we know this guy. Now you have to remember, the Bible had already, has already said that the, when the devil came, there was nothing in him. So it wasn't like Jesus had been this rounder guy that for the first 29 years of his life, he was slumming around and, huh? He, he, the Bible says there was, the devil couldn't put any hook at him. He wasn't, wiping people out and getting mad and cussing them out or living riotously. There was nothing they could have done to, to say anything about him, but they got so angry that they grabbed him, ran out of town, and, and you, you have the sense that they are carrying him pulling him. I mean, because if you keep 
reading, they bring him to this hill and they're going to throw him over the hill. They're going to murder him. And he's a guy from their hometown. They know his mother. They know his father. They know his sisters. They know his brother. If anybody ought to be in his court, they are the ones that should say, wow, man, we knew there was something different about this Jesus. He's a, we didn't realize that he had this kind of authority. Right? Do people ever surprise you sometimes? Those that will reject and those that... Oh, yeah. It's like, whoa. You're rejecting? And, and they were so angry, they wanted to throw him out. And <clears throat> the next verse, and I didn't put it on the... Pe- no, go back. Sorry. The next verse that is not... I didn't, didn't list it, but the next verse says that Jesus basically had to use supernatural power to just put them in some sort of suspension and he walked through the crowd and walked away. I don't know if he froze them all in time, like, you know, a stun ray gun or something. If he blinded them all, it doesn't say, but he somehow... Escape? Why? Because he knew that they were not supposed to kill him yet. He still had, he was going to supposed to die on Calvary. And they were not stopping. This wasn't like we're threatening you. They were so angry. They were filled with wrath. They were going to kill him. And he had to supernaturally, I don't know what he did. The Bible says he just, Walk through the crowd. And I don't know if he just kind of let the Holy Ghost kind of out. So bright. And they were, I I don't know. And and of course, there's an old saying that it's not biblical, but it's, it's, we've heard it. Familiarity breeds what? Contempt. And, and we know that to be true. And I know it's, it's, I'm preaching to the choir. It's Wednesday night, and all of you are here, and you're in the house of the Lord. But, you know, it, it, it gets easy for, um, you know, when you are first dating, you know, you open the car door, and here, let me help you. And You know, and more familiar you are, you know, hey, get in yourself and I'll get in. I need to run around the car. You reach a point where, you know, well, I come into the house of the Lord and I know I have, it's my thing. I was raised, you know, a guy takes his hat off. If you're praying, you take your hat off. Why? Because it's like honoring the Lord. Giving honor. They don't want to become, you know, well, this old place, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, we you don't open it up and have roller skating parties in the sanctuary. Why? Because this needs, 
And I understand when people build a building and it's a multi-purpose building and sometimes they play basketball in it and sometimes it's a sanctuary and it's a tough call and I'm not against it. I'm just saying that if you're not careful and hopefully, and I, I get it, but you know, I'm not telling you you have to do what I do, but I try to remember to address somebody with brother and sister and I'm trying to, you know, why? Because I, I want to remember you have, you're part of the body. You don't have to do it. I know. Okay. Well, that's old so-and-so and I get it. But, and, and I understand, I, it's very different from south to here and south it was yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. And some people in the north think that that's being racist or being condescending and of course that wasn't the way we were raised it was you did it didn't matter their age it didn't matter their gender it didn't matter their their ethnicity it didn't matter any of that you address people yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir and you went to check out in Walmart it didn't matter if the girl checking you out was 15 yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir I, I know people don't do that here and I'm not upset with it. I know Caitlin, when she came in the ninth grade, she did it, got sent to the principal's office finally for doing it. Go down. Sorry was where we were raised. Some teacher said, you're making fun of me because I'm 40. Like, ma'am, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Lady, I don't. What do I call you? <laughs> okay, I, so I, I get it. My point is, if you're not careful, it just becomes good old Joe, you know, and the Lord, and there's no sense of awe, and there's no sense of wonder, and there's no sense of what, what look at how powerful God is and the awe of God. Now, I, I told you, sorry, we'll go to Matthew, the next slide. And I'll read this in, in uh, the, uh, the other version where he says, he came to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue, inasmuch as they were astonished and said, whence came this man? Whence hath this man wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? We know his mother. I know her name, her name's Mary. We know his brothers. We know James and John and, and uh, Joe, uh, Moses and, and Simon. And we know uh, his sisters and we know them all. And the Bible says, and they were offended in him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor. And you read it on. And then the Bible says that he could not do mighty works there because of what? Their unbelief. And so if you come to the house of the Lord and you go, I know all those people. I know that person, that one, that one used to drink and party. And I know this one over there. And I know what they used to do. And I know what, and you start judging what everybody else has done. It closes God off from being able to do something for you. And if the Lord uses one of those people to come by and say, hey, I'm praying for you, you go, yeah, yeah, well, you need to pray for yourself. I, 
I know. And you can refuse the encouragement. Hello? Yeah, you should be in the altar. Well, you need to practice, buddy. And so that's a sense of the rejection. Go back to Luke and uh, the next slide, fourth chapter. No, forward, sorry. There it is. 31st verse. And he came down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. So he left Nazareth. He was in Capernaum. He left. He went to Nazareth, taught there. He couldn't do anything. Goes back to Capernaum. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For his word was with power. In the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. Remember I told you that the devil earlier in the same chapter had been saying, if you are the guy, if you are the guy, if you are the guy. Now the demon says, I know who you are. So don't think because somebody acts like, oh, I don't, who do you think? They know who we are. Oh, you call yourself a Christian? Are you really? They know. There's something different about the anointing and the presence of God. And Jesus rebuked him. And what did he say? Hold your peace. Now, what had the guy said? Some amazing words. Read them very carefully. He said, the demon said, let us alone. What are we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Was that the right guy? Anything untrue in that? Art thou come to destroy us? They knew that this is the guy that's got all authority and power. And they said, I know who thou art, the holy, how many of God? That's a great one God scripture right there. The holy one of God. And what did Jesus say? You need to testify about that. Tell everybody else about who I am. They hadn't lied. What did Jesus say to them? Shh, be quiet. Hold your peace. Then he said, come out of him. Boom, the devil came out thrown down in the midst, came out of him. What's interesting about that is there's only one place in the Gospels where Jesus allowed somebody to confess who he was. Every other place, and even this place, he would tell them, okay, don't say anything. In this place, he said the same thing. It's in Mark, the eighth chapter. No, yes, the eighth chapter. And that's when he said, 
who do men say that I am? And some said, you're John the Baptist. Some said, you're Elijah. And he said, and Simon Peter said, you know, he said, well, whom do you all say that I am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ. And yet even then he said, don't tell anybody. Why did the Lord not want that, you know? And we talk about thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Thou shalt be saved in thy household. And I, I believe you have to believe that he is Lord. But it is, there is a difference with just saying it in your mouth and wanting it to transform who you are. I can say Jesus is Lord and not want him to transform me. If I am really saying he is Lord, I need to then be acting like he is my Lord. When I walk out of there, my belief ought to flow. He that believeth on me, as John says in the seventh chapter, like as the scripture has said, out of his Belly shall flow rivers of water. This spake he of the Spirit, which was to be poured out. So it is more than just saying the words. It is opening yourself up to letting that flow. And that's why in the book of Acts, and I put it on your paper, when the little girl was following around Paul, remember? Acts the 17th chapter, 18th chapter, remember that? And she was saying true words. These are servants of the Most High God. These are the servants of the Most High God. And, and said, which show us the way of salvation. Was that true? They were servants of the Most High God. They were trying to show them the way of salvation. What did Paul say? I've had enough of her. I don't need the devil to confess who I am. She wasn't saying, I want to be saved. So Paul just took it upon himself. He said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Bam! And her handlers got mad because they had been using her to profit. So what are you saying? The whole confession thing opens the door to an understanding of it's more than just what you say, it's how you let it transform your life. I can confess with my mouth and not let it flow through me. Does that mean you have to be perfect? No, we'll get to that. But Jesus himself said, by their fruit, you shall know them. And he went on to say, not everybody who says what? Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of the Father, which is in heaven, many shall come in that day saying, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in thy name. And in thy name we've cast out devils. And in thy name we've done many wonderful works. 
And he will say unto you, I didn't know you. And that word know there in the Greek means I didn't have an intimate relationship with you. Like the word in the Hebrew, Adam knew his wife and she had a child. I didn't know him. You may call him Lord. You may say, Lord, Lord. But until you're willing to open up and say, I really want you to be my husband. I want you to be my Lord. It's not enough just to say, Lord, Lord. He said, I will say unto them, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It, why, why would he say that? It, it, it was, oh, he's so hard. No, it, it is the fact that it was more than just simply a confession. Go back to Luke, the fourth chapter, where in the next slide it goes forward. And it, and it says, and, and, he, and it hurt them not. And they were all amazed and spake unto themselves, what word is this? For with authority. And that's when the guy that he cast the devils out, he they had been tearing them apart. And the Bible says when the Lord cast them out, it didn't hurt that man. And what a word is this? That with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits and they come out. And then the fame of him went to everywhere and every place in the country. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Simon's wife had a great fever and besought him that he stood over her, rebuked the fever, and immediately she was healed. Is he able to do that? Without a doubt. He had just read, he read in Nazareth what he could do. He went to Capernaum and did it. He said, I'm able to deliver those that are bound. Capernaum, he put it into action. It's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to experience it. You can read about what the Lord can do, or you can say, I want him. Hit me, Lord. I want it all. I want you to do it to me. So go, go forward into Mark. The third chapter, this was, uh, came his brethren, his mother, and they, this is another, uh, the math, we read the Matthew account, we read the Luke account, and this, this was another incident. You remember when he was doing miracles and his mother and his brothers came because he was acting a little nuts and they were a little bit worried. They were basically rejecting him. I mean, how bad would that be that your family come and say, you're a looney tune and you need to come out here and calm this down? Talk about being rejected. And how did Jesus respond to that? He said, who is my mother? Who are my brethren? Those that do, do the will of the Father, they are my mothers and brothers. You cannot allow a spirit of rejection and a spirit get a hold of you that tries to stop you from living for God or experiencing God. Well, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You haven't done enough. You weren't raised in it. You, weren't, you don't have this. There's no way you can ever get the Holy Ghost. There's no way you could ever. There's no way you, you're not. You, that, all of that. That is a lie from the pit. It is a gift. He wants to give it to you. He wants everyone to have it. He wants you. Don't allow rejection. 
say, well, I'm my family, am I this, am I that? You know what? And I could go through it, put all the scriptures in there. You're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we're blessed. We have a great family, a church family that takes people in and we're willing to help and love and, and all that. But you know what? I want to tell you something. There is not, don't allow the enemy. And I, I understand. You say, well, I, you know, they look at me and they know who I was. That's where Paul wrote in Corinthians. He said, if any man is in Christ, he is a what? New creature. You don't have to feel bad. Well, I know everybody there is going to look down at me. Everybody there is going to know. Everybody, okay, God bless you. Come on, face it. Worship God. Live for God. Do what's right. Don't allow a spirit of rejection. Paul told him himself about himself. I sought the Lord three times that this thing would depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecution, distresses. You can read each one of those words. They're amazing. I don't take pleasure in any of them. But then he uses this phrase, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I am become a fool in glorying. What are you saying? I'm here to tell you tonight that you don't, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done. If you want to be a new creature in Christ, you can be a new creature in Christ. And well, does that mean you got to be perfect? No. Do you have to start trying to do your best to manifest the fruit of the Spirit? Yes. And when you don't, you need to humble yourself and repent and say, I, when I am weak, sometimes the Lord doesn't let us get too strong because we have all the answers. He wants to keep us where we are humble. Why Paul would say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I close with this verse and these verses. And the first verse of 1 John, the second chapter, is an amazing verse. Because it starts off like this. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And it doesn't even go to the next verse. The same verse. It says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. So yes, the Lord wants us to live a life that's changed. And yet, you know, have people messed up? Yes. Have people failed? Yes. But you know what? You keep coming and saying, Lord, I need you. I need your strength. I need your spirit. I need you to change me. I need you, Lord. We have an advocate with the Father. Another good one God scripture. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation. Which he is it. 
Is it the Father or Jesus Christ? They might be the same. Or he needed to put a better explanation as to which one was the he. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know him if we do what? Keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and doesn't keep them. I don't even want to read the rest of it. What are you saying? It is that acknowledging, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your strength. You know, if somebody rejects you, so many times, you know, it, the spectrum is there's a little truth in it to there's no truth in it. Or a lot of truth in it. You know, they go, well, I don't know. I, who am I to listen to you? Because you're a hypocrite. I know what you said. I know what you did. And they may have the story right or not right or straight or not quite straight or whatever. And, huh? Took something out of context. What is that? When I hear that, when I feel that, what should my response be? Well, who do they think they are? I'm going to tell you. No. Humble yourself. Say, oh, Lord. I don't know where they got that. I hope I'm, I hope it's wrong. Sometimes you can't even argue with them. And people say things and what am I supposed to say to that? I saw you. I know what you did. You can say, well, sorry. I didn't mean it to come across that way. I didn't mean it. You know what? just have to say, Lord, here it is. I need your strength. I need your help. Let it remind me that I need God. When you feel rejected, it should turn you to God. Why? Because he will never reject you. And I've heard testimonies of people that have been ostracized and young folks and older folks and wrongly accused and falsely accused, some even from Newark, I'm sure you could find, huh? The key is, how am I gonna respond? Am I gonna humble myself under the hand of God and say, Lord, I wanna, I wanna let forgiveness flow. I wanna be a new creature. I wanna have mercy. I don't, want, I don't wanna get caught in the Bitterness, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to prove to you who said that. I want to know who said that about me. I want to find out. I want I... to be like Jesus. Oh, to be like Jesus. <laughs> On earth, I long. Except I don't like these stories, Lord. <laughs> to be like him. <laughs> huh? I want to do great miracles. I want to walk on water. I don't want to feel rejection. On earth I long. 
Oh, hallelujah. Great lesson, not being stopped by rejection. So, hallelujah. Let's stand. You want to come? You're welcome to. Well, I'm redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory, Christ is mine. I all to him. Hallelujah. I now resign. I have been, I have been redeemed. Sing it again. Well, I'm redeemed by love divine. Jesus. Well, I'm redeemed. 